from 6 on 2FM. Thanks to the two Johnnies, it's Monday the 14th of November and this is Game On. Coming up today, Alan Cawley, Stephen Kelly and Ruby on Ronaldo's Revelations. They're trying to force you out. Yes, not only the coach, but the other two or three guys there around the club. At uh, the senior executive level. Yes, that I felt betrayed. And uh, you think they're trying to get rid of you? Honestly, I shouldn't say that, I don't know, but listen, I, I don't care. I'm always, people should listen to the truth. Yes, I feel betrayed and I felt that some people that don't want me here, not only this year, but last year too. Hmm. In rugby, Ian Keithley and Andy Friends conduct exit and the weekend's autumn series action, including an epic test match between Le Bleu and the Springboks. The clock goes red and France goes wild. was a phenomenal test match. It had absolutely everything you could want. Full of drama as two Goliaths went head to head and France won it by 30 points to 26. Plus we have the rest of the weekend's talking points and we have eyes on Republic of Ireland versus Morocco as Vera Pau's World Cup preparations begin with the goals. There's the first of the Megan Campbell long throws which are somewhat inhibiting given the, the surrounds of this pitch. Campbell coming on to this here and Campbell scores. Well what a finish that was. What a way to take the opportunity. They didn't properly deal with the long throw and she picked her spot not unlike the first goal in the men's FA Cup final yesterday. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552 or tweet at Game on 2 fm Game on on 2FM. Welcome along. Alan Cawley is with us in well, with me in studio watching as the Republic of Ireland are taking on Morocco. Alan, thoughts on the first half? Second half just started. Evening Marie, evening Ruby. Um, yeah, the friendly game, their last get-together before obviously uh, the end of the year and pre- preparations then will obviously intensify after Christmas for the World Cup, Marie. But Vera Pound named a very strong team. It was the same team, bar one. Amber Barra came into the side against, that played against Scotland in the big game a few weeks ago. Heather Payne missing out through college commitments. Uh, and they're winning 2-1. It's quite comfortable played very well 2-0 sorry they're they're playing very well Uh, they scored very early after a minute actually they got the breakthrough with Megan Campbell a brilliant goal actually a curled finish into the far corner uh, off her left foot and then about nine minutes later they went 2-0 up a penalty from Katie McCabe it's been comfortable to be fair uh, Marie but it seems to be a good get together good workout Um, as I said final preparations kind of towards the end of the year and it will all intensify after Christmas and the new year when they get together I'm sure so Al, with your manager's hat on now, can we read anything into Vera Pau naming a strong squad, sticking with the usual players that she does for this game? Yeah, I was surprised by that, Marie, because normally with these get-togethers, you're trying to integrate, obviously, some squad members and give them some game time because the girls that obviously performed so well in Glasgow a few weeks ago, we all know what they're capable of and what, what, what they're uh, all about. And that team, obviously, has been on the go all year in terms of the, the campaign for qualification. So I was surprised. I thought she might have named one of the other, one or two, maybe, um, fresh starters but she didn't she chose to go with a strong 11 uh, from the start I'm sure she'll make changes as the game progresses now as we come into the latter stages of the second half and as I say just to give some girls game time because when we do get to the World Cup level obviously there's going to be three or four group games um, and you will need the squad depth and will, you will need the girls obviously involved you won't be relying on just the 11 that got you there in the first place So, um, but I'm sure maybe in the prep warm up games after Christmas as well she can, she can look at that but I was surprised tonight that she didn't name a strong team you say that, like you need squad depth when you get to a World Cup finals. When you think back, how many players did, did Jack Charlton play in Italian 90? <laughs> <laughs> really? Think back now, Alan. That team was like, I'd say, like, if there was. Yeah, but the game. He used to rotate between Niall Quinn and Cascarino up front, maybe John Aldridge, but he probably didn't use any more than 14 or 15. No, but I think the game has changed so much now, Ruby. Like, and obviously the amount of, I suppose, miles that the players have on the clock before you even get to a major tournament as well in terms of the league games that they're playing at their club level or whatever. So you do need the squad depth now and especially in quick succession to turn around the games that will be happening at a group, at a tournament every three or four days. And the players are getting used to this, obviously, at the moment in terms of the, the cramped schedule that they're involved in for the clubs. But certainly when it comes to a major tournament, I don't think you can be relying on 11 or 12. Jack used to rely on long throws. Vera Powell was relying on long throws. How much has it changed, Alan? I think as well, though, with 
the women's game, because a lot of them aren't playing at a very high level, that to have the exposure to international level, like when you when you look at even some of the, the girls on the, the bench, like we'll say Abby Larkin, who's 17, playing National League, to go out and represent your country, the more that she can do that, and likewise maybe Saoirse Noonan, um, when next year does come along mm. if you do need to bring someone off the bench they'll have got that little bit of experience yeah absolutely and that's why I was surprised the likes of tonight because you don't get many opp- opportunities to, to do that Marie in terms of friendly games because obviously if you're involved in a campaign where the, the qualification matters you're going to play your strongest 11 always so in these little get togethers like this the likes of Abby Lark and the likes mm. of some of the younger girls who need that exposure I thought they might have chose to maybe start them tonight but I'm sure as, as I say they'll make changes as it goes on maybe with a with an hour gone she'll probably spring four or five of them from the bench um, but it is a good point but definitely when it comes to the World Cup you want players involved to have had as much experience as possible in those high level games Highlight of the weekend Ruby Highlight of the weekend ooh I don't know what the highlight of the weekend Marie was Um I missed the FA Cup, FAI Cup final. Adam, would that be anyone's highlight of the weekend if you're not from Derry? <laughs> um, it was very one-sided, Ruby. I'm sure we'll chat about it in a while, but it was very one-sided. As you said, if you're not from Derry, you might, it, might, it won't live long in the memory in terms of one of the great Cup finals. But for Derry City supporters and the performance that they put in, it was absolutely magnificent. I loved the Women's World Cup final on Saturday morning. I'll set the scene. You were up early. I was up early and there was nobody else up. Yeah. So I had the telly to myself. I didn't have anybody asking me to do anything. I was drinking my coffee watching the match had a few friends on the old WhatsApp group sending a few messages but the rugby itself then was brilliant as well so there was 11 tries you hadn't a clue which way it was going to go um, it was like end to end stuff it was almost like watching a soccer match it was going up from one end to the next um, loads of drama really good rugby big crowd um, you could just sense that it was a, a big moment for both of the teams uh, New Zealand went on and won it in their own home turf but it was just a great spectacle um, really enjoyable and it was brilliant to actually get a, a final. It was almost like the opposite of the cup final. You know, you know, you have eyeballs on it. You want the spectacle to deliver, and it's not always the case. But this women's um, rugby world cup final between New Zealand and England really delivered on all fronts. So I was delighted, and I really enjoyed it. Brilliant. One for me yesterday was. Um, I'm not sure if you're interested in this rugby, but England winning the T20 World Cup as well. I'm a <laughs> big fan of the cricket. Yeah, <laughs> and I, was, I, was, I was watching that as well. The Ardmore the chase. Some of those England players, Stokes as well. Like Stokes will be remembered as one of the greats at all forms. He's absolutely unbelievable, Ben Stokes. But I'd like to make a case for all the big major sporting, um, the big sporting events to be on really early in the morning. (laughs) 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 Sets the day off to to, to, on a really good note because you mean you're buzzed, you're watching a, a really good game or whatever, and then I mean there's still things to look forward to. But you've got you've got it off to a great start. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Ruby. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> well, the World Cup games will give you all that now, Marie, coming yeah. up, obviously. Early starts as well. So, um, And it's hard to believe. I was only saying to you off air there, I'm not sure what you're thinking, Ruby, but the last weekend, the Premier League games just gone there and here we go, a World Cup on the horizon at this time of year. It's absolutely incredible, really. I, I'm still kind of finding it hard to, to deal with a World Cup at this time of year. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's hard to even get it. It's actually, there's a few things. There's It's hard to get your head around it because you've been kind of switched into Premier League for so long. Um, then obviously everything that's happening over there is, you know, it, it's awful. And and there's almost a, a guilt to that you have to deal with when making the decision to watch it. And it's taken away all of that build up and the excitement because of the reality of the situation over there, of what everybody had to go through, um, the migrants' rights, the deaths, the the treatment of, of people, the lack of human rights for, for so many, um, the issues with uh, the LGBT communities, that football, it just almost feels so insignificant to for a major tournament to be on in a place like that, that um, I just can't get excited about it. And, and even not, not just football, Marie, a tournament of that kind of uh, significance as well, that's probably the biggest tournament out of all the sports like out of them all you, you look at the World Cup we look look forward to it so much and to have that overshadowed by all those issues off the pitch as well that's such a rare occurrence as well it would take a lot to overshadow a World Cup and here we are as you say you're almost feeling a guilt about mm-hmm. about sitting down to watch the match or thinking about what's going on and I just at wonder at what cost it's, everything feels like a, at what cost mm. uh, yeah. like the Olympics would obviously overshadow the World Cup do you think but- it does Ruby? 
Yeah, I think it does globally. We're I, we're here in Ireland, so we're thinking about it. But I would say globally, the Olympics probably overshadows the World Cup. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, that's only opinion. That, yeah. I would always say I would have thought a World Cup now, but I hear you on the Olympics yeah. thing. But for anyone listening, yeah, let give us, us your five view, one yeah. five five two. Yeah, and then five one five five two. How many people are going to feel like all of us about what's going on, mm. and are still going to watch the World Cup? I think people will still watch it, mm-hmm. but the it's way a ninety more than ninety percent will. Yeah, I think they will. But the way you phrased it, Marie, in terms of feeling the guilt about mm-hmm. it, I'd say that's probably a good way of describing it, and I'm sure many will. And 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 just for me, like that's obviously so important the off the field stuff, and 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 we're going to hear even more about it the closer we get this week, but. Um, then when, when the football starts, do you think that will, kind of people will forget about that side of it as well, even though it should never be forgotten about and it won't be, but do you think the football will take over then? I think there will probably be issues. There's, there there are going to be issues over there, um, although uh, they're doing their best and FIFA are doing their best to, to put out a narrative that it's okay to go over there and be yourself, essentially. I don't think that's going to be the case when um, people go over there. I think there'll be a lot of... Um, There'll be some protests, I think, mm. to when the football does start, and they will be covered, and that will they'll become they will be highlighted. Um, it's still, F- fan protests. I think there'll be fan protests. Do you think from a, from the players and a, and the platform that they have and the stature that a lot of those have? Do you think anyone will kind of put their head above the parapet and and actually? I think in post match interviews they will. Yeah. I I am um, not too many, but I'm sure there'll be fines and there'll be repercussions. But it'll there'll be. There will be people like we saw the Australian football team mm. release the video and and they highlighted it as much as they could, but I definitely think that there will be footballers who will use their platform as well to mm. to shine a light on what's actually happening over there. I think the fact that there's been um, so many questions asked about the likes of Gary Lineker, even though he you know he he said he's trying, but he's been put uh, he's been asked a few hard questions of late. Like he's going to have a responsibility to highlight any issues to to shine the light. So. I don't think it's a conversation that's going to go away because things are going to happen. And just as we're talking about football, uh, catching our attention, Abby Larkin has just come on there for Ireland. I see her there. But it's uh, it's going to be a tricky one. Like football is obviously going to be brilliant. There, you know, it's the World Cup. Uh, we're all going to be talking about it. But I, I do think there'll be conversations Th- around it. And that's what's really interesting for me in the sense that, say, say Ruby, an elite sports person, and yourself, and and could you put yourself in in a player's shoes? The, and I don't, I don't want the players to feel as though they have a responsibility to do that. I think they should only do something like that if for genuine reasons, if they want to do that. Because I think too much is put on the players in the sense that it's not their fault that the World Cup is in Qatar. So I think FIFA and and a lot of those, they, they're the ones that should be answering the questions in terms of where it's been hosted. So I don't think the players should be put under too much responsibility whether they do or they don't put their head above the parapet. But do you think Manny will, Ruby? I don't think they will. No. Um, I think you're talking about a political debate, um, a human rights debate. Is it? Maybe some sports people will, but there is sport in Qatar outside of soccer. There's horse racing there. Um, same in Saudi Arabia. Same in lots of those countries. Um, you say that there's sport for men there. Um, you got me on the bounce there, but I don't remember Holly Doyle not being allowed to ride in Qatar or Saudi. In fact, I saw her riding a boat. That's just off the top of my head, Marie. Um, horse racing. I mean, for people living there, boat. for women living there, they're 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 not allowed. Sorry, I was talking obvious. I didn't yeah. hear you. Which, I was which would be which would be like me. Sorry. <laughs> they the <laughs> that there is there isn't there is very little opportunity for women to play sport there. Oh, very little opportunity for women to support there. No, it's women's rights as well. What that, that's, but that's just, that's a political debate as well. Is that a debate for sports people to make on the pitch? I, I don't know, Alan. I hadn't thought of it. Mm. Um, you asked the question. I don't know either, Marie. I mean, but um, I think that's a decision for lots of people to make. I mean, it didn't stop you going to Qatar to watch Liverpool, Marie. Yeah, I know. You went. Yeah. And you can ask the you can ask the questions really deep of ourselves and then you think, How far will I go? If people feel really that strong about it, and you include it, yeah, but you'll have and to for work. And you'll I, have to watch the World Cup. I was going to go to the World Cup and I said that to you guys that I was going to go to the World Cup, but after thinking about it, I, I didn't want to go anymore. And even though going to see Liverpool play was a decision I made on reflection, was it the right decision? Probably not. 
did I feel comfortable going into a football stadium not being allowed to wear what I wanted to know uh, what did you have to wear by a you had to cover your shoulders tourism. and you couldn't wear anything short like you had to wear long leggings or leggings trousers and or? that sort of stuff um talking to some of the migrant workers I remember getting into a taxi and there had been a cricket match on that day and um, one of the taxi drivers was from India and, and he didn't know the results and he really wanted to know because he was just in his taxi all day you know he'd been there for 12 hours mm. so like there's people who are going to be over there who are going to encounter what I encountered and that, that incident really, sorry and is that being policed so you going into that stadium if you were, if you did wear a t-shirt or whatever was that being policed it like there there you I mean you, you turn on the the telly during the time and there was um there was fans from uh, that team in Mexico playing and the the females were wearing what they wanted to but it, I just didn't feel comfortable with not adhering to what I was supposed to you know you you got an email saying you're not this is what you're supposed to wear like these are the criteria for going to a football match there and I and it was warm like so I just I just covered up Yes look it's going to be a, a raging debate all, all through the World Cup and um, I don't think any we're of us getting, or um, soccer are going to solve it We're getting a lot of text messages in and there is quite a few people who are saying that they are absolutely boycotting the World Cup It will be the first one I've missed in 35 years I can't believe it's going ahead to be honest that's Dave and Donegal um, another one World Cup World Boycott talks uh, would boycott talks talks be different narrative if Ireland were in the tournament from John and Leash um, that's true as well if Ireland mm-hmm. were in it would be a very different narrative I'd say first uh, World Cup I won't watch since 86 I will follow it but FIFA not getting um, my viewing my viewing figures um, so yeah there's a good few people that are going to boycott it and Ruby on the Olympics we've got a few texts in about that as well you've started um, you've started a bit of a debate I've started a row have I imagine that it caters for more people more competitions um, I'll probably watch a game or two but not bothered about it since says Shane uh, Ruby winning the second champion hurdle on Hurricane Fly overshadows the World Cup <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree that listener he's my hero whoever you are <laughs> Hurricane Fly that's a blast from the past Ruby what a horse <laughs> I'm actually going to see him on Wednesday in the National Stud himself and Faheen brilliant is he the number one Um. No, Carter was number one for me, I'm afraid. Carter, yeah, what a horse as well, amazing. And Kevin in Trim has uh, texted in, his highlight of the weekend is Trim beating Danesford in the Leinster Intermediate Hurling in Nolan Park. So lots of uh, club action this weekend as well. Not so bad. Anyway, sure, look, I think... What uh, about Christian? Can we get to Christian, can we? <laughs> yeah. Seeing as we've discussed the uh, world politics there for 20 minutes. And we got or this week going to discuss, since we took all their, took all their <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Uh, Stephen Kelly is with us as well. So look, before we move on, Stephen, are you looking forward to the World Cup? No, we don't have Stephen. So. See, that Stephen is right. If you say nothing about it, you can't be wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not going to say anything. No, it, it is hard because I'm going to be working on it. I'm doing England-Iran the first game and even England playing Iran is going to spark debate and conversation because should they be there, human rights, you know, it's it's such a massive topic. But I think it's to the point now where people are going to have the opinion. Being Irish, people might not switch on because there's no invested interest with Ireland not being there so that that's something that will make a choice easier for people but uh, I think it's almost too little too late like what what and I had this all should have happened when it when it was awarded when they when they went through it when there was change to the winter which took I think two or three years after the initial grant was given um, you know, it, it would have taken for every country and every nation's footballing governing body to stand up and say, listen, this can't go on, this can't happen, and every team threatened to pull out. And that was the only way it was going to stop then and there. As soon as you go down the line and it continues on, continues on, and the stadiums you've built, and then you're hearing what's happening along those lines, FIFA were too far invested and too many, too many teams were, were going to financially benefit from it. So it's terrible that's happening it's shocking but that's the way it is and I think people are right to highlight it absolutely and any player that feels the right and feels strong enough about it should absolutely be able to voice their opinion and what can FIFA really do I'm not sure there's anything in the book to say you can you're not allowed to talk about human rights so I don't I think they can try and impose bans and fines but realistically I don't think they can so I think highlight as much as the players possibly can bring attention to it make it hopefully a better place for the future but it's happening and I don't think there's much can be done about it now well, I think everyone will be of that same opinion Stephen there's not a whole lot can be done right now anyway we're not going to stop the World Cup yeah. but Manchester no. United couldn't stop Cristiano Ronaldo speaking so FIFA may not be able no. to stop the players speaking either 
no absolutely not um, yeah I, I, I think it's it, it just seems the timing well I can totally understand the timing he's gone off to the World Cup doesn't have to see them again and then more than likely won't see any of them again because the likelihood of returning to Manchester United are slim to none so timing for him was probably perfect he wanted to get his voice but bringing that so like I know he's used to media attention he's used to having so much pressure on himself that he probably puts on himself but to bring that attention to yourself, going into a World Cup, and you know he is one man. If it doesn't go well for him in Port- with Portugal, and and they they falter and even don't come in a group stage or something, it's just going to exacerbate the situation for him. And it's a strange time for him. But yeah, it's it, I, I can't believe he's come out and done it. And I, I, I <laughs> yeah, I'm shocked. Okay, well, let's hear a little bit of that interview. So he gave it to uh, Piers Morgan and it's due out this week. 90 minutes, Ronaldo, two nights of it. A um, few clips have been released. Here's one of them. I don't know what's going on, but since since the um, Sir Alex Ferguson left, I saw not evolution in the club. The progress was zero. For example, we have an interesting point that how the club as Manchester United after suck. Um, Ole, mm-hmm. they buy, they bring sport directive Ralph Regnick, which is something that nobody understands. This guy is, is not even a coach. A bigger club like Manchester United bring sport directive surprise not only me but all the world. You know, nothing changed. Surprisingly, not only the pool, the jacuzzi, even the gym, even some points the technology, the kitchen. The chefs, which is I appreciate, lovely, lovely persons, they stop in a in a time which is is it surprised me a lot. I thought I will see different things, different as I mentioned before, technology, infrastructure, but unfortunately we see many things that I'm used to see when I was 20, 21, 23. So surprised me a lot. I can't stop thinking about the chef. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> lovely persons. <laughs> it's, uh, it's unbelievable. It really is. Um, obviously, I was working all day, and I only was kind of getting to this late last night and this morning. And following Marie, it, and like Stephen, part of me can believe that he's done it, and part of me can't believe that he's done it. But he's done. He's finished at Man United. That's it. And it's a sad ending to such a. Uh, as we all know an unbelievable player and that connection that he had with Man United uh, the first time around and a little bit last year as well it's sad that it's going to end like this but that's it there's no way back from after this and I felt at the start of the season it's a pity he just didn't go at Emery because I f- kind of feel a little bit for Ten Hag he was coming in obviously such a huge opportunity for him trying to put his stamp on things in terms of rebuilding the club and you had this sideshow going on which no way in a million years did he want or the fact that he inherited he was probably so disappointed but he had to just deal with it and try and manage it but it must be so hard to try and put your stamp on things in rebuilding a football club as big as Man United under the strains and pressure and have this going on every day as well with Ronaldo and and the fact that he's come out and done this interview part of Ten Hag I'm sure is probably glad because he knows now this is the end and once he goes to the World Cup I don't think you'll see him in a Man United jersey ever again Stephen, he says he was trying to highlight things for the fans to see, like that so much has stuck in the dark ages, according to him. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Roy Keane and Saipan, the little yeah. standoff. But yeah. what has Cristiano got and Rana got to gain here? He has nothing got to gain, really. Like he, he's going to there's going to be a mutual decision this contract will be terminated and he'll go off to a new team that, that's what will happen um, at the end of this because, and he's, he's just forcing it through now like he, he's cutting a very frustrated figure and I think there's, there's probably parts of that that are justified for him to be frustrated to some extent um, we, we have no idea what's going on in the background and I think to some extent Ten Hag having Ronaldo there being the way he's been and being kind of petulant and sulking and different things uh, has been has, has kind of strengthened his position as manager because he's been able to be firm with such a big name. So it shows that he is a hard character that even with arguably one of the best players ever to kick the ball, I still won't take it. So I think from tonight's position, it's, 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 just, it's made him seem like a very strong manager at times. Um, but from Ronaldo's point of view, I, I, I think he, he's the only one that's not gaining from this. And it's probably the first time in his career where, where he's in a position where he's not going to come away from a team still at the top and it's it's 
it's strange because I know every player comes in your career, you, you feel invincible, you, you don't want to stop. But it comes to a point where you feel like we have to kind of understand that it's is things are changing and he doesn't seem to have come to terms with that. Listen, he could go to the World Cup and light it up. And honestly, I'd actually, <laughs> want to say this, I'd probably love him to go and win the World Cup. Genuinely, I'm not, I know this sounds really weird after he's gone on, but I kind of think that it'd be almost the best thing ever just for friction and to cause carnage <laughs> back in the Premier League if he was to win the World Cup. You should and what, watch, the you, United, then, you, you just want yeah. drama, Stephen. Go and watch EastEnders tonight. Oh, I do, I do. I'm telling you, how, like, seriously, how much would that cause, like, talk about head spinning if he was to go and be a talisman for Portugal and they have to win it, like, like what? What would that? What position that would put them in? It'd be it'd be an amazing one, one minute in the final, like like first minute header from Ronaldo. <laughs> there you have all the drama yeah. you want. Could you Steve? imagine? Could I know? But could you imagine? Like seriously. But listen, I don't. That I think that's a pipe dream. That's not going to happen. Um, and I just think it's a sad end for it. But it, it, it's it's an end now. That's it. It's over. It's 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 not. He's not coming back from this. There's no way. And you know, I, I hope he goes and plays somewhere else and still shows what he can do because he's he's still probably. For most teams in the Premier League, he's still he's still a very good player. It's just his attitude to be in the position is you, you, you can't deal with that. And a manager has to be to be strong. And Ten Hag is he's pulling the punch. It'd be interesting to see what legally do now because they've gone off to get legal advice United to see what they're going to do and how they can how can they can respond to it. I'm with you, Stephen, as well. I absolutely love the drama and the characters, and I, I just think it's great when you have people <laughs> like this in the game because they give us something to talk about and um, they just add yeah. another layer to the entertainment that we get off the pitch. So, like I'm saying, bring mm. on as much drama uh, as possible. Yeah, on that as well. Sorry, Marie. The, like his longevity and the football inside of things, no one will ever dispute. One of the mm. greatest ever. We all know that, and and everything that he's achieved. But everybody speaks about the condition that he's in and the shape that he's in and how professional he is. He's so unprofessional in the last kind of 18 mm. months and he's been so unprofessional, he really has, like a spoiled child. He must have no hand, no nothing to play now though, like he must have no card to play the fact mm. that it's like last resort having to go to Piers Morgan and... Like even even the fact that he gave him the interview. I know, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. That annoys me. Piers Morgan, like, absolutely logical. Stephen, yourself and Alan, how does someone yeah. in his role get to a position where he has no advisors or nobody able to advise him I, I, I don't I, obviously it's not that he has no advisors and it's not that he doesn't have people there in his corner because I'm sure he has an absolute mountain of staff that are there to look after him and take care of him and do all the media things but this is a case of just I think and it's, it's such a I, I don't even like using this phrase because you see commentaries that people use it all the time but it's head loss, isn't it? It's pure head loss from him. He's just gone to the point where no one's able to be able to kind of rein him in and he just thought, I'm doing this. And, the, the, you know, I, 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 I get it to some extent. I, I get how frustrated you can be when everything is being pinned on you to, 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 the, to the way it has been with United. Whereas, like, before Ten Hag even took over, it was Ronaldo's gone, he's not going to play, he doesn't fit the system, he's not on the team. And that's on the back of him being the top goal scorer for the team last season. So you're kind of like, he's probably thinking, what's going on? And that I think that's been fed from Ten Hag before he even got there. So I can understand the frustration, but you have to be able to... He didn't get to where he was as a player on the pitch without having a calm head at moments, without being able to see the situation, be boiling up inside, be able to, but also to be able to stay calm, focus... And think about what you're going to say before you say it. And this is this is a case where that's just gone out the window. You're saying there, Ruby, about like advisors and stuff. He absolutely has advisors, I'm sure. But the stature of him, the ego, the so the he's so self-centered, so invested in himself that there's nobody as big as him in a room that's capable of saying, "Okay, Cristiano, you need to calm down here, and this is what we're going to do, or this is the plan." He is above everyone in his head. That it's almost a case of I'm doing this, and and. And who's going to be strong enough to actually say to them, you're wrong here? And that's part of the problem as well, I think, because whoever thought for one second, and it's only him that thinks this probably, that this was a good idea. Um, but I, I don't even think when you get to the stage where he wants to do an interview like this, I'm sure he knows in his head as well he's done with Man United. And I'm sure there's a club lined up after Christmas for him. Louise I Quinn has just has... scored for Ireland on her 100th appearance. So it's 3-0 to Ireland. Sorry, Ruby. No, I was going to talk to you. I knew you wanted to get, deliver some good news, Marie. <laughs> so we can to. But anyway, look, the last word of Cristiano Ronaldo. He has employees, not advisors. Back to the Premier League. Yes. What about oh, Arsenal? Five points clear halfway. <laughs> 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 
Ruby Ronaldo. <laughs> I always say it though, Ruby, yourself, Roy Keane, Ronaldo, there's similarities there. Funny enough, I don't remember mm-hmm. standing, sitting on a Piers Morgan show, man. <laughs> the only difference I could yeah. see in that, I could see Big Ted giving you a good slap across the, the backside. The only, the only thing I will take over the two of them, right, and I'm not putting myself in, in the same bracket as either of them, but I was the only one of the three you mentioned who knew when to get out, Marie. That's true. You mm-hmm. did. You did. You got yeah. out. Of, you got out early. And was that good advice or your own decision, Ruby? I, my own decision, Alan. If you can't see the end coming, as mm-hmm. Cristiano Ronaldo said, if you can't it's see there. what's happening, you're blind. <laughs> yeah. Logical, Ruby. We call him. Down Derry's own words. He was talking yeah. about Man United. Perhaps you should look in the mirror. Um, moving yeah. on, Arsenal. Five <laughs> points clear at the top of the league. Stephen, you were there. Yeah, I, I was there. Yeah, I was there. I was there. I was there Saturday night, and I, I, listen, I, I, I always have to talk about Arsenal. Why do I always have to talk about Arsenal? It's awful. <laughs> but I was actually there, and uh, you know, they're at the top of the table for a reason. The performance was excellent. Wolves, you know, they were they were kind of the, the crowd were up. The the, um, the new manager was given out before the stadium. Lapetegi, um, you know, so the fans were buzzing. They were there. It, it was, and they, and they tried to. Be defensively solid, counter attack them, transition with speed and stuff and all. And they caused them a couple of problems, but Arsenal just went about their business really well. Party in the middle of the park, so simple, does it so well, intercepts the balls, passes it, gives us plays. Odengard was excellent throughout the game, not just the goals, just everything he did throughout the match. All over the pitch, they just look so good, look so comfortable, and the team just brimming with confidence. They're so full of confidence. Um, and the lad that came on, um, Vieira, I think, um, in the middle of the park, instead of um, Xhaka, Xhaka went off really early, looked ill, probably looked on the one eye in the World Cup, but he went off ill, I think it was, and they, they changed the team around, you're kind of thinking, every, every talked about how that Arsenal will struggle if some of those key players get injured well. I'll tell you what, Xhaka went off and it made no difference to him. They almost looked like a better team. and um, Everybody knew their role and it's so hard for me to be watching them in this vein of form and feeling like, but I think the World Cup break is amazing because I'm sure they just want to continue on. But I'm like, right, hopefully this is what the dent in the, <laughs> this sale is going to be, the break for the World Cup. We're always watching uh, Premier League games. Well, I mean, when there's Ireland players playing, we're watching Premier League uh, games with our, our Irish eyes on. Um, what about Nathan Collins? How did he fare? He actually did very well. I was actually watching, commentating, I'm saying he would not look out of place in an Arsenal jersey. Genuinely, oh. <laughs> I think he's... Uh, no, I, as in the way he plays football, the way he can stand up to the test. Mm-hmm. Um, he was playing in a tree. He drives forward the ball, is passing... His decision making for for a young player, he, he he's got a real stature about himself, and I think Wolves is I think Wolves unless if Wolves kick on and progress, then yes. But if not, Wolves is a stepping stone for him in his career. I, I think he has a real bright future ahead of him. He he's a very good defender. I watched him against Brentford the week before last, and in the Brentford Stadium, it's so small. You're quite close to the pitch. Mm. How mobile is he? He's so mobile. And you know what it is? He's almost like, remember people, people had this perception that Dunny wasn't that quick, but Dunny opened his legs up and he was so, he was rapid. Like people had this, he's kind of something like that, only before he turns a bit quicker. <laughs> so yeah, he, he's a little he's bit huge, better on like the turn. Yeah, he's huge. Um, and like I said, he opens his legs up. He didn't look off, like he, he didn't look out of place at all. And you kind of feel him, like I'm looking, I'm thinking, I'm saying he could play for Arsenal. I'm thinking, Spurs should go get this guy. Like this is, we need a defender like this in the team. We need in that back three. If we could add him to that, um, and, and, and you know, I'm thinking he could be an amazing acquisition for them. But, uh, you know, probably won't happen. But I, I think, yeah, he, he really is an excellent, excellent defender. That, that's got a real bright future. Alan, what happened to Haaland the weekend? City got beaten, he didn't score. Yeah, they got beaten, Ruby. And um, it was actually interesting because we had the chat prior to the weekend's games about the kind of psychology of how the players would feel going into the games. And I almost think looking at City, there was a little bit of that, that they were just off that kind of 5%. Um, And to be fair to Brentford, I think they deserve massive amounts of credit as well because they'd only won winning nine games going into that. He was under a little bit of pressure, Thomas Franks. not so much for his job, just for more to kind of stop the rot. And Ivan Tony, who had a point to prove, didn't get named in the England squad as well, played ever so well, caused all sorts of problems on the day, they couldn't cope with him. Um, but I just think it was a case of maybe a little bit of them, the players. And I know kind of people saying, look, 
your employers pay your wages and, and, and your club is the most important but when you're one week out from the World Cup and you think of the scare that James Madison had and going off with a hamstring injury and all I'm thinking your all your dreams dashed uh, in one game so I, I can kind of, I totally get where the players are coming from in terms of the fact that they might have just been off and it only takes to be off that 3 or 4% and, and you could end up with a result like what we've seen with Man City but uh, a bit of a blip but I'm sure when they come back after the World Cup they'll, they'll be fine but I'm glad as well in one way Ruby that Arsenal got the win as well and they've opened up a little bit of a gap because we want to see some sort of a title race top of the league for Christmas uh, Everton and Frank Lampard so they um, were really disappointing against Leicester City and the fans made it very well known afterwards well Lampard well I suppose he's going to survive now the next few weeks anyway unless they decide to get rid of him during the break Sorry, Stephen. Yeah, it was, yeah, no worries. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was, and it, like scenes, pretty ugly scenes at the end of the game. And you know, I kind of think, what do the players expect? Like, you going over trying to try your jersey into fans that have had two tri- two trips to Bournemouth. Was it two trips to Bournemouth within a week and conceded seven goals against them? Um, and you know, the the first game, yeah, week inside cup game, fine. The second one to come in and against Bournemouth and. You know, to, to to concede the goals the way they did defensively, they were really, really poor. Um and the fans were letting their opinion be known and they were they were they were really, really bad. Lampard is he's just I don't know, he just doesn't strike me with a manager that, that that's got the ability to get them out of so I know they stayed up last season, but I felt that that was a massive turning point when the van the fans last year at the end of the season just decided, right, we're gonna get behind them. It's almost like Newcastle, the fans have decided now they've got new ownerships, so we're gonna get behind this team twenty you know, the whole time and Newcastle are so vibrant. Everything last season survived because the fans were able to really sing them on, get them behind the game and now they're shit they're disgruntled and they're showing they're not happy with them and I think it was it was it was a poor performance. Them. Speaking of poor performances, two points from a possible 15. Do you think Chelsea will want your man to go back, Alan? <laughs> um, I'd say Graham Potter is delighted that the break has come now as well. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of the players are away, he was kind of just thrown into the job and in the middle of all those games where you're playing every three days and he would have had very little time on the training pitch with them and you look at the job he has done at Brighton in terms of the time it took to build that up over the three or four years and the brilliant job that he did and he's very much a hands-on coach in terms of what he wants on the training pitch also you add in the injuries that they had to some key players like Reese James and Chilwell and a couple of those lads as well and um, so I'd say He's probably delighted. It's been a tough three or four weeks for him uh, and he's probably understood now just what it takes in terms of being at the very elite level and the pressure that you're under. So I'm sure he's delighted with the break. He's hoping some of them will come back fresh and um, after the break as well in terms of the injuries will be fixed up and he might get a bit of time on the coaching ground with him. But what I hope to stick with him. Maybe the old regime would have kind of uh, pulled the trigger, but I don't think so. I think uh, this new regime, they wanted him from the start and they're going to stick with him and I hope to do because I think he's a brilliant coach. Stephen, I'd say Ten Hag was pretty happy that the break uh, that they went into the Ronaldo interview with the two-one win over Fulham. Yeah, no, to be honest, it wasn't it wasn't an easy one either. Fulham played really well, um, and they just, they look resilient. I said they didn't look like they're going to concede loads of goals either, which is which is great for for Fulham. Um, had a goal threat, couple of really good chances. Um, but United took their goals well. The the, the break where Erickson starts off and drives into the box, and then the the, you know, the young like Nacho, his goal was the pace he shows to get in behind the Fulham defence and the determination to get there and the finish was brilliant. And um, it was it was a really important win for them to going off into this break now, huge win. But um, you know I have to admit I was really really happy with the way Fulham performed and they they should have probably got something from the game. It was it, it was an excellent performance and I think they're. They're in a position now where this break, you know, continue on with that form, continue on with the, with the way the managers got them playing and, and look really look forward to attacking the, this next part of the season. Stephen, next time we talk, it'll be all World Cup. Thanks a million for taking our call. Alan, you may hang on a minute, but Marie, you can take a break. Thanks, Ruby. Game on on 2FM. Welcome back. It's now time to turn our attention to rugby and I'm delighted to say that Ian Keatley joins us on the line. Ian, you had a marathon weekend of rugby watching, I hear. Yeah, I think it was non-stop, but I actually thought we were going to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo a bit more, no? <laughs> well, you can if you want. I mean, we've put Ruby into the Ronaldo bracket along with uh, Roy Keane and we probably throw Johnny Sexton in there as well while we're at it, will we, Ian? Yeah, might as well. But uh, no, rugby, rugby was absolutely great on the weekend. Uh, Thankfully, I have Amazon Prime, so I was able to watch watch all the rugby. And uh, yeah, there were some fascinating games with a, a lot of red cards, yeah. a lot of ill-disciplined games. 
Yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of highly entertaining games and I don't know if Ireland and Fiji was one of them, but let's start with that anyway. Um, so they did manage to, to beat Fiji 35-17. Andy Farrell wasn't happy though with the performance from that Ireland team. Do you think that maybe he was reacting a little bit too harshly after the game or was it a fair enough uh, assessment? Uh, a bit of both. Obviously, he, he sets the standards pretty high and he wants, he wants his team to consistently perform week in week out but to do to do that you, you need you need connections you need a team that plays regularly all together and I, I think we saw from the weekend obviously there's three new caps there was a lot of players who probably never played with each other before so to expect the consistency as the week previous against South Africa where that team against South Africa is probably a team that has played regularly together over the last year or two uh, to expect that performance is probably a bit much but as I said there, he's trying to raise the standards and, and um, raise the standards of the group because this group is probably going to group to go to a World Cup and uh, if you're going to win the World Cup, you're going to need 30, 32 players firing at all cylinders. Was there a few players, do you think, that maybe have done themselves out of a seat to the World Cup between that game and the New Zealand 15 game? Uh, it's, it's, once again, it's very very hard to tell. I'm sure he'll, he'll pick players that are on form coming up closer to to the um, to the World Cup, I wouldn't say anyone's done damage, but <laughs> he, he's less likely to give you another chance. Like yeah. as, as a head coach, you want players who you can trust, who are, you know you are going to do the job on the day. So I think I, I wouldn't say he's ruled anyone out, but he's starting to really narrow down who he, who he wants. Right, so now we're really going to push you. That's a nice diplomatic answer, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, we're going to rephrase it and go at it a different way, so we can do the the maths ourselves. Nick Timoney definitely made an impact. Yeah, I thought. I think he, he's always he's done very well for Ulster over the last um, couple of years. To be honest with you, he's, he's he's a bit like McCluskey. He's done really well, but hasn't been able to make his mark on the international scene. So probably those two players have really. Up, I thought McCluskey was very good in the South Africa match. He did, he did well again on the weekend. McTimney as well. He, he's putting his hand up uh, for selection in a in a hotly contested area in the back row. So I think he has his main four in the back row, and then it's going to probably be between McTimney, Coombs, um, probably Prendergast. They're 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 all the guys up for selection, and you're looking for probably five or six back rows to bring with you. Obviously, Caelan Doris was on. Max Deegan came on for him. He made an impact too. The Tom O'Toole, Jeremy Lochnan, Lochman, sorry. Any other names that stuck out for you? I think Jimmy O'Brien's doing great since he got in. Was there any other name in there that stuck out since you're not going to name the ones that didn't? <laughs> I kind of said already, McCuskey did really well. Uh, Balakoon looked look sharp and he seems to be the, the next choice if they don't go with um, uh, Mac Hansen and James Lowe. It looks like it's Balakoon stepping up. Obviously, there's injuries to Earls and Conway, but he's putting his hand up there. Uh, Jimmy O'Brien, he done very well. If they're, um, they're looking for that left footer option, um, so there is a few players, and like, we're we're starting to see Jack Crowley come. Jack Crowley came on obviously for for Joey, um, and Joey seems to be out this weekend. So it's going to be interesting to see how Jack Crowley gets on. He hasn't really been in the Irish scene before. He did really well in the Emerging um, or the Ireland A Tour. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he gets another shot now against Australia on the weekend So Joey Carberry has been ruled out uh, Johnny Sexton is doubtful the words out half injury crisis are floating around the media um, what's it like to be an out half who is behind Johnny Sexton and trying to get up the pecking order yeah obviously it, it's it's very difficult Um He's obviously nominated for a World Player of the Year again. Um, he's he obviously has his own way of doing things, uh, which he's got fifteen guys on the team going playing to his his fiddle, his tune. And for someone to come in, uh, like I, I had to do it before, like you obviously you need Madigan doing it, Ross Byrne, even Joey. Things don't run as as fluidly as when Johnny Johnny has it because Johnny has been in there for so long they just know what he wants and that's what I was kind of saying about building connections with uh, with the team like you can't just put any guys together and expect it to, to run fluid, fluidly like you need time and Johnny has had time with this team with obviously the Leinster teams to, and, and, and everyone just knows what he wants and 
to perform well, as I said, you need 15 guys on the same page. And Johnny has that with, uh, with every team that he just, that he touches with, with Leinster and, and with uh, Ireland. And it just it makes the team look good, but it also makes him look, look good that he's able to build those connections. So Ian, when you've been given that opportunity, like you have been in the past, are you encouraged to play your own game? Or are you expected to kind of mimic what he does? How does it work? And, and there's another one that's that's tough because you, you have to play your own game. You can't pretend to be someone else. But as I said, everyone's playing like like like, like Johnny Sexton. So you're trying to do your own. So you, you see something different out of your own eyes. You're trying to get the ball to a different space than maybe Johnny would try and get it to. But as, as I said, you you need time to build connections. So whenever I did get an opportunity, obviously there was that so much excitement um, to get an opportunity, but after the first one you're like oh I wish I had another opportunity I wish I had another opportunity which I think obviously with Johnny could be, could be injured this weekend but imagine Johnny got injured for the, for the World Cup you, you, I think you need someone who like another out half who's had a string of four, five, six games with the team that he can put his own uh, mark on the team that's kind of what happened with the last uh, World Cup where there was, there was a few injuries and you didn't have guys who had played together before well, that out half the bay will rage all week long as we wait a news of Johnny Sexton's fitness. But we did mention the game, the other games at the weekend. England, Japan, well, Japan, or England hammered Japan. I mean, Japan tried played an open game, but they never got going. But the cracker was definitely in France, South Africa. Then a man sent off early. Dupont went off early in the second half. But it was, a, like, it was like a World Cup game. Every three points counted. Yeah, it was, it was a, a brilliant game. It was... You could feel the atmosphere coming through the television. You could uh, you could feel every collision, um, and then yeah, t- two red cards and another yellow card, and it, it was exactly that. South Africa didn't go away from their game plan. Tried to beat you up physically, maul you, beat beat you up again, um, and France were well able to match it. And it was actually it was definitely the match of the weekend. I felt, and um, and then Razi had his little say after the match. Those little small margins in matches, so he's he's becoming more on Twitter then then I don't know someone <laughs> someone who likes it on Twitter quite a lot Fez backed him up last week are you going against him or going with him no and, and listen in a way he's he's right these these fine margins do make a difference um, and you just hope that you're on the wrong side of him like obviously the, the one from the Ireland match last week Dan Sheen kicking the ball out Ireland got away with it um, one of the African players kicked the ball out last week Espet picked it up was going in for a try and they called it back and that's that is what test match uh, test match rugby is all about, and that's why you see a lot of kicking, a lot more kicking in test match rugby. They they don't want to play anything inside their own half. They want the ball away from their try line. So if there is a penalty given away, at least it's not going to be kicked for three points or kicked to the corner where a team would maul over and try. So they are the small margins in rugby. It's, it's a lot of points for um, seedings. It's a lot of a lot of money. For the uh, for the organisations to get it, a one win is a lot of money for the for the for the union. So they're the margins that we're talking about in, in um, professional rugby. Yeah, he's an interesting character. And uh, just before we finish up, just a, a word on Italy's win against Australia. Yeah, it was, it, it was brilliant, and uh, at least they uh, they backed up their win against uh, Wales last year. I think they they'd broken the duct um, of I think they lost. I don't know how many Six Nations games before that. It was quite a lot, and they, they beat Wales last year. So it was great to see them that that they backed it up again this year. Because I got a lot of friends on that team, and to see the celebrations after the after that match in the change room, um, you, you can just you can only be delighted for them. Absolutely, Ian. As always, thank you so much for Thanks, joining guys. us. Talk to you. Game on on Two FM. Welcome back. It is a time to talk football again and the FAI Cup final took place yesterday with Derry City defeating Shelburne 4-0. There were a few unsavoury incidents before the match and during it as well and uh, in the last hour or so the FAI have released a statement. They said that they confirmed they've been in contact with both Shelburne and Derry City after those incidents yesterday um, in and around the Aviva Stadium. The statement says that the FAI is aware of a disturbance in the vicinity of the Aviva Stadium before the game and a number of arrests were made during the disturbance. The FAI are liaising with both clubs on this incident. They went on to thank the majority of the 32,412 fans who attended that cup final for their behaviour, demeanour and support. And they said that they did their club's 
proud and the FAI remains too committed to providing a safe environment for all of the fans at our games. Alan Colley, you were at the game yesterday and nobody likes to see that. Nobody likes to see anything like that happening at games. No, very unsavoury, Marie. Um, and unfortunately with these incidents, it always is just a minority um, and can kind of bring an occasion down or try their best to bring an occasion down. But overall, I think it was a fantastic occasion and, and for the majority that attended, as used as 32,000, they behaved in a, in a manner that you'd expect and, and really enjoyed the day. And Derry City brought an unbelievable crowd, Marie. It was absolutely incredible. Um, there must have been, we were trying to gauge <laughs> and we were going around, you know, in obviously in the stadium and you're splitting up quarters of the stadium and half of the stadium and seeing who's the Derry fans, who's the Shell fans, because obviously both of them are red and white. But Derry City must have brought 20,000 fans, 22,000. It was absolutely incredible. Uh, and the atmosphere they created as well before the match, because we were pitch side before the match, couldn't hear ourselves talk. Absolutely unbelievable atmosphere. Um, and then when we got to the football side of things, their team delivered and they had plenty to shout about the Derry City fans because it was probably the most one-sided final mm-hmm. I've covered the last six or seven now I've been at probably the last 16 or 17 <laughs> but um, How many did you play in? None Oh my god! The final wasn't very kind to me Marie No not, not that Marie I No, you played none It wasn't kind to me at all the cup league not the cup <laughs> sadly my uncle won, a, won the cup for Sligo Rovers I've told you that many times he's the hero but um, but Derry City were brilliant on the day and they went in with a bit of pressure under uh, the fact that they were the favourites um, Shelburne the underdogs even though I felt it would have been a close match because you go on obviously the, the games they've played so far in the league and especially the way Shelburne set up they, they tried to be defensive and build from the back in terms of their shape uh, and it would have been tougher I felt Derry to break them down but what caught Shelburne out I felt on the day was the wide open spaces of the mm-hmm. Aviva it's easy enough to be like that when you're in a tight little ground like Talca Park and places like that to be tight and compact with the defensive shape that they set up with but the spaces in the Aviva and Derry tore them to shreds their attacking players they were absolutely fantastic and they'll have regrets Damien Duff uh, and his players on the day but it was all about Derry City You say they have regrets what could they have done differently? What they could have done differently Ruby would have been um, not starting Shane Farrell left wing back he was at fault for the first goal he could have played and in the semi-final they played Gavin Malloy there who played and they actually changed after 25 minutes but it was too late because they were 1-0 down at that stage Shane Farrell was at fault for the first goal and Shane Farrell's had a great season for them but I prefer to see him on the right hand side of midfield he has played on the left at times during the season but Gavin Malloy was, was excellent there in the semi-final and I thought they should have stayed with that um, and to be fair to him they're very much in their infancy as well Ruby the team Damien Duff only assembled this team at the start of the year 14 new players were brought in it took time for them to gel as the season went on they got stronger uh, with those relationships being built and it was an achievement itself getting to the final but when it came to the day itself with the quality that Derry City have and a different calibre of player compares to the Shelburne lads um, the better team won and the better players performed on the day and it was very comprehensive victory the Republic of Ireland have won 4-0 against Morocco and got their World Cup preparations off to a great start. Um, that's what you want, Al, isn't it? Absolutely. Wins, wins, wins. Keep the momentum going, Marie, off the back of the qualification and, and all the, the brilliant headlines that we've seen over the last few weeks uh, to finish off the year in style like that with a 4-0 win, score four goals, clean sheet, plenty of ca- uh, girls getting game time as well coming on in the mm-hmm. second half like we said with the changes um, I was delighted to see Kyra Caruso scoring there towards the end as well Louise Quinn is used to getting her, her goal on their 100th cap as well so uh, a good night's work for the team and as I said those preparations will only kind of ramp up in the new year They most certainly will Alan Colley thanks a million cheers Marie uh, Better De Silva is up next hope you enjoyed our show RTE 2FM